Do you know what? I um, the other day in my uh, in promotional uh, activities for the uh, podcast series, I uh, did an interview in the Observer, I think, and I it was mm. the Sunday column. It, was, it must be the Observer it was on the Sunday, and it was like. It was like, what do you have for brunch? And I just, I hate the word brunch. I just think it's a revolting word. I also hate when people shorten words, like when they say, oh, your apps are coming out. Like they couldn't say appetizers. Do you know what I mean? Uh, or like yes, when people yes, say yes. guac for guacamole. It's like two fucking more syllables. Um, anyway, so I hate brunch. I just think it's, it's, and I said this in the article, I think it's, it just really feels like white privilege to me, brunch. It's yes. just such a horrible, ugh. I hate it. Mm. And also there's never anything for me to eat. Or you didn't used to be as a vegan, but it's not a vegan friendly meal brunch. No, very it's true. Egg, egg heavy. And then everyone drinks, you know, really horrible Buck's fizz with sugary concentrated orange juice that makes them like a five-year-old child in two minutes running around. Um, so I don't like it. Anyway, so I said that. And on my Instagram, this boy has like, first I got this DM and it just said, brunch that's all it said <laughs> one word brunch i was like clever and ouch i started ouch and now since then he sends me a description and a photograph of what he's had for brunch each day and this is the today today's <laughs> it just came this. right now today's brunch tuna mozzarella and kidney bean salad on a bed of olive oil and balsamic vinegar washed down with a glass of freshly squeezed orange juice <laughs> simply exquisite and a photo of that horrible dish and it's a photo just, yes it's just hilarious so now do you reply i've been getting into it now i think it's quite funny he I says, love that. he says, might be a humbling experience for the Hollywood elite to bear witness to the dining habits of an average proletariat. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, we, we interrupt our usual programming, do we not? To bring everybody a special episode of Homo Sapiens brought to you by Facebook. It's very exciting. We're doing this because it's been fascinating recently what's been going on with the, would you say, would you call it the re- percussions of Black Lives Matters and yes. social change with big brands. And a lot of people have been asking, what is the actual real ramifications on planet Earth going to be as a result of this? And yeah. when people started posting those black squares on Instagram saying Black Lives Matters, L'Oreal posted one and Monroe Bergdorf uh, responded saying, you know, I, I'm sorry, but I the was actual, sacked. Yeah, yeah, I was sacked by L'Oreal for speaking out about racism a few years ago, and it's become this story. It became a huge story at the time, but it's become this thing where, um, you know, they've now invited her back into the fold, and she's working with them again. She's an incredible activist, anyway. We love her. She is considered one of I don't know. She's she has engineered a brilliant example of how brands can actually support the LGBTQ plus community in 2020. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to talk to, can you hear the dog? Um, yes. I'm going to have to move and pick the dog up. Um, we wanted to talk to her about how that went down and sort of talk about how brands can do better, right? Yes. And I think it's an interesting time, you know, we're, we're, we're all realising that we have to reassess how we are in the world in terms of racism, in terms of uh, uh, gender issues and, and sexuality. Everyone, it's a really, I think, although it's a terrifying and scary time, it's a very exciting time. And I think mm. it's so amazing. We have people like Monroe who, well, you'll hear when she talks about it, but the way that she has turned this, what was a terrible situation for her around into an mm. incredibly positive one and compassionate one for everybody is truly inspiring. In the, yeah, in the most graceful way that is full of humility. Yes. So we spoke to her uh, the other day from her home in London. Chris was in his uh, uh, aircraft hangar in uh, <laughs> Bryce Norton. I'm in my country pile in uh, the Catskills and uh, technology brought us together for this lovely chat. Here it is. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. I'm Monroe. Hello. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I mean, goodness me, you've had such a week and I mm. you've been in my ears a lot because I listened to you on Table Manners, the podcast yeah, as well. And then everyone's been talking about you and stuff. But how are you doing? Um, 
yeah, I'm okay. I'm just trying to not to th- trying not to think too much about people talking <laughs> about me and just focusing on contributing to the conversations that are going on at the moment and trying to be of use to my communities, trying to be of use to um, the people that follow me that are looking to educate themselves on what's going on in the world. One of the reasons we're speaking is because of what's happened with you and L'Oreal. And Mm. for anyone who happens to have been under a rock for the past 3.5 years, will you just explain the situation from the beginning with them and how that's now been reconciled? Because I think it's fascinating. Okay. Well, I'm just going to try and squeeze three years into five minutes. So (laughs) allow me a little bit. Um, But basically, I... I I was the first transgender model for L'Oreal. So I was the first transgender spokesperson. And it came in 2017, which was just two months after the Charlottesville riot. Um, So it was a year after Trump was elected. We were seeing uh, vitriol being spouted in every direction. Um, You know, I think that a lot of people of colour realised what was going to happen eventually. And I think now the world is starting to see what we've always knew was going to happen always known Mm. what was going to happen sorry my English um so yes we um I I wrote a status on Facebook um in response to it which was very colorful and emotional and angry and I um wrote about how all white people benefit from racism and that's an uncomfortable fact but it's true because it's been there to ensure the success of the white race that's what racism institutionally and systemically is about um and i don't think people were really ready for that conversation i was i was dropped from the campaign as a result um and it just left me can i just ask you there monroe and what was your what was your active role what were you actually doing for l'oreal at the time and i'm just curious about how it actually happened you got a phone call or what were you doing? So, with, uh, yeah. what, was this, what does a spokesman mean? So I was um, I was their first transgender model. So I was part of a campaign um, which was essentially um, promoting that they had a new range of foundations and um, it was it was lots of different shades and you could find your shade um, is a true match foundation. Um, and they knew that I was a they knew that I was an activist, so it, it wasn't really out of the blue. Um, I've always been very, yeah. very vocal about my thoughts on racism and transphobia and systemic oppression of all kinds. Um, and I wrote this two months before the campaign came out, so it wasn't like we were mid-campaign. Oh, so you'd shot it, and then this happened, and then yes. the camp. So it's before yes. the actual campaign was yes. public that yes. I get it, right? There was there was there was a little bit of talk behind the scenes. I, I knew two days before that the uh, Daily Mail were going to print the story, um, and it was very much kind of you know they didn't support me basically. I I'll, I'll I'll say that much. There was no support and there was no encouragement of opening a narrative about racism and speaking about racism, speaking about my experience experiencing racism. Um, so that's what I was upset about, and it was very much like shut it down. We don't want a situation. So um, cut to three years in the future and L'Oreal have um, posted um, a black square and posted a graphic saying speaking out speaking out is always worth it speaking out is worth it and I saw it and I again saw red and I was like wait a minute this is all well and good this is great this this energy is fantastic but you haven't made things right with me and you haven't recognized where you fell short with one of your black employees um in a very highly publicized incident so um yeah I basically posted about that and then all of my followers held them also accountable so we jumped on a zoom call and they ended up and it was a two-hour zoom call it was a very long call it was again squidging three hours three three hours three years into um two hours so um (laughs) i i I basically said everything that i've been through in the last three years how them refusing to um offer me their platform to speak about the realities of my experience kind of threw me to the wolves so they actually offered me a job um in helping them as a brand to understand their role in the beauty industry as a leader they're one of the biggest beauty brands in the world and they've got they've got the power to you know really revolutionize and change the industry and to have a a queer black trans voice 
that's also a woman on their diversity and inclusion board, I think is a really bold move. And especially somebody who's been so critical of um, the company over the past three years, because ultimately, you know, I I don't want to have a feud with a brand anyway. I don't want to have a feud with anybody. I hate feuds. I just find myself in them. <laughs> but um, I think it's really important to, if you can find a solution with somebody and you can if you can find a middle ground and if you can help that person improve. And if that person turns around to you, no matter how awful they've been, I think if they turn around and they genuinely want to change and make you know their presence within the industry better then you should give them the opportunity to do that i totally agree i totally agree and i think it's a really you know it's been such a tumultuous and awful and weird time but i've i'm re- i've been reading that um ibram xandi book how to be an anti-racist and the thing i found really this and i'm fascinated by the whole you know cancel culture and the kind of uh, um fighting back at the whole cancel culture. And I think the thing that really got me was this idea that it says the heartbeat of racism is denial. And mm. the, and so that any, if you close yourself off to anything, anyone's um, thoughts or appeals or, or, uh, or actions, if you cl- just close that off, that is just supporting the problem from straight away. And what, when you, cause when I was hearing about the situation that was going on with the, the recent situation with you and L'Oreal, and then that you had come on board and joined the board again and you were going to be working together again. Um, what was that like in what was going through your mind? And was there a part of you that wanted to tell them to go stuff themselves? Or because someone said this beautiful thing about like activism is actually always trying to work with and, you know, accept if someone apologizes and that's what activism is. It's not about just fighting. Yeah, I think you always need to look for a resolve. You need to be solution-based rather than um, shoot you from your ego. And my ego said, you know, F you. It really did. And I think I said that actually in um, my in, in my original post um, in response to seeing them post that. So, And you know what? That's completely fine because I felt that at the time and I felt like it was a fuck you. Sorry, I don't know if I can say. Um, yeah, you F can word. swear. I didn't Sorry, know yeah. why I said get stuff. Like <laughs> the, the stuff that gets covered on this podcast like is at- Jane Austen over there in the corner. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> know. Um, yeah, so I... I, I I, I was extremely angry and I think that that angry was okay, you know, um, yeah. but uh, yes, I needed to get past that anger to get to the resolve. <clears throat> and if I was just holding that anger in and if they didn't know how I felt, if they didn't understand the emotion that was behind how, what has affected, um, if they didn't know mm-hmm. the emotion of my experience, then they would have just thought that it was fine. You know, I think yes. that sometimes people need to know how you feel. And sometimes the only word is fuck. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I definitely um, was not keen um, for the first 20 seconds after I heard that they wanted to give me a job. I, I was like, well, why would I work for somebody that didn't prioritize my well-being in the first place and then I thought actually no you know what it's not it's bigger than me it's bigger than Mm. just this situation that one of the biggest beauty brands in the world and they've actively told me that they want to improve and it's a different president than the one that was overseeing when I was let go so I thought you know what it's a different team they're two women um, they're actively wanting to make the industry better. Um, I had receipts that they wanted to make the industry better um, from the conversations that they plan on having. Um, when I was speaking to them, it felt very much like it was person to person, woman to woman. Um, I didn't feel like it was, you know, talent to brand. I felt really positive after I came off the call. So, um mm. You know what? I think it's all about giving things a chance rather than automatically writing them off because of your ego. Yeah. And we've all got an ego. No matter who you are, we've all got an ego and we all can tap into it every now and again. And sometimes it just jumps out and you don't realize it. And you'll make you'll make choices out of pride. And I was like, you know what? I need to put my pride aside yeah. and I need to think about the bigger picture here. Yes. And Alan, did you have similar experiences when you were brand ambassador for Grand Marnier? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you're so wicked to bring that up. 
I confessed uh, the other week, uh, Munro, that years and years ago, through a bizarre series of circumstances, I ended up being the uh, ambassador for Grand Marnier at the New York Film Festival. And it was oh, just wow. hilarious. And like, <laughs> what was so embarrassing was I was walking along the red carpet with the PR lady. I mean, they, I just got this money and, you know, lots and lots of Grand Marnier. And um, I had to go to parties. And uh, the, the lady, <laughs> I was walking along the press line and at the New York Film Festival opening night. And they, they were saying, hey, Alan, so, you know, the press, so, so what brings you here tonight? And I, and I had to say, I had my official thing, I went, I'm here as the um, ambassador for Grand Marnier. And everyone laughed when I said it because they didn't believe that it was actually true. And I was like, no, really, really I am. And so it was going, it was going very badly. So I said to the lady as a joke, maybe I should wear a sash that says Miss Grand Marnier on it. And she went, that's a good idea. I was like, I was kidding. <gasps> <laughs> but on that so was, sash went uh, yes i wish and um, but so um but talk as one ambassador to another Monroe, yeah. um what <laughs> what Don't are you troll me, actually Alan. doing now <laughs> what am but i what doing you, now what are your duties and what i mean i guess they're kind of uh, impinged by covid and everything but what just give us a rundown of what your new role is so I'm part of the um, Diversity and Inclusion Board um, with L'Oreal. So I'm going to be sitting on the board as um, a spokesperson for the queer community, for the black queer community and for the trans community. I, and also as a trans woman, you know, as a black trans woman, our experience is very unique, but it's also gained an ex a significant amount of visibility over the last five six years um ever mm -hmm. since um you know laverne cox was on orange is the new black we really gained a lot more visibility and um and representation in the media but at the same time visibility and representation doesn't keep us safe it doesn't necessarily yeah. improve um you know our uh how politics affect us you know how um you know boris johnson at the moment is talking about banning trans women who haven't um, had sexual reassignment surgery from um, women's restrooms and um and refugees oh God, without taken into consideration the fact that we experience disproportionate levels of violence you know there's much fewer of us than there are cisgender women but if there was the same amount of trans women to cisgender women we would be experiencing far more violence than cisgender women so it's mm. about understanding what we're going through and if you want to ban trans women from bathrooms then give us other bathrooms don't just leave us out on the street or tell us to use mm. male bathrooms because we're also being attacked and raped and you know um all of these things by a cisgender man so um, you know the yeah, average yeah. life expectancy of a transgender woman of color um, or a black transgender woman is um 35 years old and that's not Horrifying. because of um you know us killing ourselves it's because of people killing yeah. us um so basically, yes, I'm going to be a, a voice for my community. I'm going to make sure that um, that advertising and branding is sensitive and inclusive and that the brand is um, appealing to as wide an audience as possible. Um, but also, you know, with my work, I'm I'm encouraging people to think deeper about how um, how the beauty industry impacts on diversity and inclusion. And also mm. how big brands um, portray their talent, but also look after their talent. Um, how um, brands can not be performative in this movement of Black Lives Matter and Pride. Because if we think about things, if we, if we think about these important movements as moments, then it just becomes performative and it becomes disingenuous. It becomes very much a media exercise. And this can't be a media mm. exercise. The media need to acknowledge how important these movements are and honour that. It's, yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? Because, you know, we've we've had Pride Month and rainbows pop up everywhere on the high street. And, you know, I look at it and... I personally just think it's not for me. I just go, 
I don't have any connection with Barclays and a rainbow. It just means nothing to me. But I feel that probably at the top of that company, they think that they're doing some really intense work. I mm. can't speak for Barclays, don't know. But what is what is that about? You know, and what, what can brands do better, do you think? Because I, th- I don't yeah. think they know what to do. I don't think that they know what to do. And the the real tea is employing people that do know what to do you know Mm. if you if you don't know what it's like I always give the experience the um, example of you know like a sitcom that will be directed towards the black community if Mm. you are if everybody in that writer's room are white all of the crew are white the producers are white but Mm. the show's directed to black people and the actors Mm. are black it's not truly a black sitcom it's mm-hmm. a white sitcom with a black veneer because everything behind the scenes isn't written from experience it's not written from the perspective of a black person it's the idea of a black person portrayed by yeah. actors so i don't know i kind of feel like when it, when it comes to authenticity and that word is extremely overused but it's pretty much the only way to describe what I'm talking about you need to you need to create opportunities behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera otherwise it's completely um it's just a it's a veneer it's like putting a filter Mm. on a picture it's not it's not reality so um sorry my dogs are the joys of home recording how many dogs have you got now three or two I've got two dogs and one cat my god that's and they've all arrived during lockdown right yeah i've wanted them all for like a while and i'm glad that i got them all together just because they're you know they they all look after each other yeah they're so cute and because i saw you i've seen them i feel like i've seen them grow up on instagram stories um (laughs) but in their short life but it's like i was funny we were saying this yesterday like isn't it funny how Instagram started as a thing where you would share a picture of your pudding and now it's like (laughs) you can't not go on Victoria Beckham's Instagram stories and she will be talking about Black Lives Matter you know like it is activism is in our lives all day every day I'm really Um, I'm really proud of like you know when I first started in activism I was told to shut up I was told why you've got to make everything political this is not what this platform's for um and I was just very much like well this is what I'm gonna make it for you know and I I really yeah you know I I think that's what all social media activists were were saying um, it's funny because we're coming to the end of pride month and i'm always i remember last year there was such a kind of backlash against you know corporate pride in, in new york where i lived you know they, they actually started a sort of alternative pride trying to take the pride march back to its sort of original intentions and and it's uh it was called the queer march and um but there was this big sort of um uh, 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 not what's the word lashback what am I trying to say backlash backlash oh my god lashback <laughs> I like lashback <laughs> I quite like lashback I'm going to say it there was a lashback <laughs> against um, the sort of corporate the sort of um, you know curated corporate involvement mm. and that there was a there, I saw this really great cartoon of um, like a, a a brand with a rainbow thing on it and it was like it said July the 1st and the man was painting over it Oh, over wow. over the image, and I think that's definitely something that we've all kind of begun to realize as well. That you know, it's not only um, uh, is the LGBTQ community seen as in some parts an affluent one, and mm-hmm. so that's why brands become involved. But it's also seen as um, a good thing to do. It's good PR to be seen to be involved, and so mm-hmm. I, I suppose it's like how do we discern who's really helping and who's there just to kind of uh, show they're helping. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested that you said that the um, that brands see the LGBT um, communities an affluent one because I don't think that they well, do. I think that I think that well, I think that they do, but I don't think that that's the case. I think that it's it's not. Very, I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's, it's there's a there's a sliver of the of that of our community sure. which is white and affluent and the yeah. majority of the individuals are. I mean, it's, it's I'm also I'm actually involved in this other thing. It's about a 
getting financial services because the, this, this, it's called superbia. It's this thing about getting allowing people who are discriminated against. And in so many states, you can you know you don't get loans, you don't get credit card because of your gender or your sexuality. Mm-hmm. And there's no legal recourse to that. So there's a thing yeah. now trying wow. to get a specific, like a credit union and a thing to, so people who don't have, a, and if you do get a loan, then the interest rates can be variable depending on the, you know, the level of bigotry you're dealing with. So no, I, yeah. I, I know that our overall we're not a, an affluent community, but there is a sliver yeah. of it, a white sliver that is yeah. very affluent. And that is who that is all aimed at. Yeah, which I think is the problem because it's, I, there was a picture actually posted on Instagram the other day. I can't remember the artist, but it's the gay community or the queer community, LGBT community on an iceberg. And on the Love top that. of the iceberg are muscular, white, attractive gay men. And everybody else is below the iceberg scrambling to try to get to the top. And I that really morning. is the case of what Pride has become is, you know, the, the, the top cross section of uh, the community are the ones that are largely given the platforms, largely um, seen as the, you know, the face of um, the LGBT community. If you look back yeah. to like the 90s um, and early 2000s, they, they were the ones that were getting all of the shine. It wasn't, you mm. know, trans women weren't part of the conversation. Lesbians had the L word, but that was pretty much it. Uh, bisexual people didn't exist. They were just greedy. <laughs> and um, mm. it, there wasn't really the nuance that there is now. And th- we weren't talking about the realities of um, people's experiences. So I think when it comes to corporate pride it's just it's not re it's not our reality it's very much kind of the media version of um what pride uh, represents which is like love hashtag yeah. love but the reality is is that you know there a lot of um, LGBT people are forced into sex work because we're not being employed. Ex- um, mm-hmm. High unemployment levels um access to um uh, health services, um, you know, high levels of HIV and depression. So all of like the, you know, the stuff that isn't, you know, joyful, it's not really marketable. Do you think, Munro, it's also about <laughs> elevation? Like I'm just thinking about you and your platform and mm. you were told that you shouldn't be doing activism mm. yet mm. you created this massive following and now it's like you've become a destination like Jamila Jamil where it's like, I'll go there to see what's Mm. being talked about. You know what I mean? And it's like, is it that we would all like to see brands support that rather Mm. than... Oh, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. Paint a rainbow. I'm like, I haven't got a clue what the rainbow is. Yeah, I think when when it... When it came to when it comes to like New York Pride, it, I mean, I was there last year and I was horrified because there's it was just really? it was awful. It was it was it was just floats and floats of corporate businesses with no yeah. nuance. There was no explanation as to why there was like a big bank float, you know, with just like topless guys dancing on it. Like for me that's not groundbreaking. It's no. it's that's not what pride's about. And I also pride don't is... see what's pride. I think the whole message of pride is is confused and confusing. Yeah. I don't, you know, I think I think I for me it's about yeah, have pride in what how far we've come, but let's you know uh, galvanize ourselves and and get yeah. ready for the fight ahead. I mean, that's exactly. what I always it think comes, about it. But it's sort of a party. It's just a, it's a, it's an excuse yeah. for a party. It's like St. Patrick's Day. It comes out Day of a protest, York, though. Oh yeah. So I think yeah. you know. I mean, it, it was a protest um, that was born out of a riot that was started by a black mm. trans woman yeah. and Latinx trans woman. Yeah. So you know, but we've we've lost our way with that. But oh, I now I feel yeah. with COVID nineteen, you know, we, we pride as we've no come to know it over the last few years um last you know decade as it were um has has changed and it's become a lot more political again and i think that brands should you know really think about that and um make sure that when they involve us in their pride campaigns we're allowed to speak about our experiences and yes. that's yes. where it really yeah. changes you know if we're speaking mm. if we're speaking from a first person perspective about um what we've been through as lgbt people and brands are just offering up their platform rather than it be you yeah. know buy this lipstick it's so amazing uh, or also you know um think about longevity 
longevity of change and commitments. Mm. Um, it can't just be, you know, that you only support LGBT people within the month of June. It needs to be yes. a longevity. Mm. Um, it needs to be a, a, a union of longevity. Yes. Yes, exactly. I think that's great that you're sort of, you're kind of starting this new, I mean, I think it's great that L'Oreal has uh, got you and also got you back because I think it's, I, what I hope that means is that other companies will, I mean, they look, to be blunt, they look really good for having reconsidered, for having, um, you know, trying to become anti-racist by, you know, confessing what is, where they were wrong in the past, by mm -hmm. not denying the struggles and the issues that they are facing and the changes they've got to make. I think it's a really positive thing. They look great for doing it. And also it is a great thing to do. And I wonder if what we're starting to see in our culture is this way that actually where companies would sort of in the past you know fight to have the most attractive lovely white muscly people involved in their campaigns that actually wouldn't it be lovely if it was if they were trying to all tell us and show us how compassionate and kind of woke they are about what is actually happening do you think mm. that's I think a possibility so. I think that I think that's what people want, you know, as lovely as, you know, the Bella Hadids, as, you know, the Cara Delevingne's and um, all, all, you know, the, the gorgeous, you know, thin, white, beautiful women look. I think that when that's all that we're seeing, it sends a message. And I feel yeah. like we need variety. And there's there's room for Bella, there's room for Cara, there's room for, you know, all of the traditionally beautiful models as well as everybody else. And I feel like we need to we need to move into a new chapter now because yeah, yeah. it's not working for everyone. And no. that needs to be at the forefront of people's minds that, you know, we, we can't uphold just one standard because it's we're now moving into a time where, you know, black people are speaking up and queer people are speaking up, disabled people are speaking up, you know, Muslim people are speaking up, people that have been ignored by society for a long time there needs to be progression so that we can all yeah. move forward together mm. rather than fragmented and I, I think I, I you know I saw that thing that uh, Naomi did I saw an interview you know the members when she posted that picture of the Vogue all the people people who worked at Vogue and it was entirely yeah. white people yeah and she didn't do and what I loved I saw her being interviewed about it she went I didn't do anything I didn't do anything I just posted it and she did did she just posted this picture but of course literally a picture uh, speaks mm. a, a thousand words if that's the quote um, there's a lashback against it, um, <laughs> but I thought you don't that, want a lashback. I don't, you need you don't to rebrand this podcast lashback. Yeah, lashback. But I thought that was so great, and it actually, I think what that's done. I mean, now when I look at things, that, you know, if I look at uh, you know photographs or pictures of or even at things, I was looking at an old video of something I'd done the other day, and I was looking. I, I look at it differently now. I think, how many people have color there? How, what's the, you know, yes. and that I think is a really good thing to do. It's not a thing to mm. be ashamed of. It's not a thing, but it's a thing to, it's a, that moving forward in a positive way, being conscious of mm. what you need to do and what, and how we need to make in people who are invisible part of the whole thing. And I think that was a great sure. thing that Naomi did. Um, I think so because it's not, it's not, not saying it, anything, just showing it. Yeah, I think I think so because you know it's it's not about the fact that there's no people of color in the room it's it's the result of not having any people of color in the room and the exclusion that that creates and also the standard that that creates with the most you know most <sighs> renowned fashion um, magazine not having any people of color to uh, be plugged into the um, black community or other minority communities um, that sets the standard for the whole industry so yes absolutely it's, it's so important that there's people of color and different sexual orientations different gender orientations at every single level of um organizations not just you know doing the running or interns or lower level it needs to we need right. to be the ones doing the hiring as well you know we're, we're capable yeah and, and we should say that vogue's now got uh uh edward, edward, edward who is a, a black man yeah yeah he's the editor but 
it's also um uh it means that it's something like nearly 20 percent like the if you have a diverse management team apparently your revenue is 20 percent more or something so it's well not, absolutely diversity like, is good for business it's you it's know it not makes, a fa- it makes, you're not doing us yeah. a favor no yeah, exactly like, it literally makes your product more um mm. more what's the word enticing to a wider audience because you know yeah. you're going to reduce oversight alluring that's it you're going to see you're going to see less oversight you're going to make it much more um appealing to more people if you have more people of different experiences creating the product yeah, and, yeah. There'll be no, and there'll be no lashback can i <laughs> not going to be as much of a lashback lash oh my god <laughs> alan Monroe could help us get a mascara made by L'Oreal if they make mascara. Oh God, lashback! And it could be called oh. lashback. And it oh my could, God! I, oh my God! I'll direct the lashback by um, Alan Cummings. Lashback. I'm gonna- <laughs> I love yeah. that. But you know, once I, I had an idea. I that, this is a true thing. I actually had an idea for um, lip salve for men that had a little bit of color in it. You know, like Lovely. a little. I'd sometimes put the, there was a there was one that was a sort of little ready. Just give you a little bit of. Yes, uh, and with the excess, Zhuzh. always pop it on the eyelashes. Oh, fabulous! Yeah. And on the cheeks, on the apples of the cheeks. Give me that. Yeah, a little cheek. But always, you know, I always put my uh, my luscious lashes with some lips up. But I, I, and I went to to Mac because I knew the people. I'd done some things with Mac uh, uh, Cosmetics here in uh, in America, and I went to them. And I told them my idea of like you know a little sort of maybe a russet brown, whatever, these kind of uh, for men lip salve things, and I wanted to call it Macho. <laughs> oh, isn't that the best idea? And they didn't. You're they wasted. Didn't you need to. You need to get a job I, as like creating beauty products. You need to go <laughs> you need names. To follow Monroe's example. L'Oreal lashback. I guess a shaming Instagram post of Mac and say, <laughs> and they will invite you in. Now we live in the bright new dawn. But can I just ask you, Monroe? Because this is something that crosses my mind quite a lot when I think about wonderful people who can be bothered. Oh God, there's another Spitfire going over. Bright. Can you hear that? Can you? Yeah. Chris lives in basically at the airport and a kind of a Second World War hangar. Ah. And uh, he's got a rear bomber in the spare hey, bedroom listen, upstairs. It's, it's, got, it's got heating. The people who get out of bed every day and mm-hmm. fight for the greater good, such as yourself, such as Jamila and Owen Jones, who was our first ever ep- interview on this podcast. What's I that? think oh, what's yeah, re- really it, interesting is that like, I know you, Munro. I know what a warm, sweet, funny, lovely person you are. Oh, thanks. Um, and then you do this wonderful activism. And it's like sometimes I think about the concept that by being an activist, sometimes you play into some people's hands who create the narrative that you are an angry person. Do you know what mm. I mean? And it's like, it's interesting that I see it and I go, hmm. I don't like that because I know that person and I know mm. that just by fighting for simple, basic human rights for people, they play into the hands of people who can go, oh, look at them, they're a nutter. I do. And I think of it less now because I feel mm. like, I don't know, I feel like... The conversation's li- changed. The conversation's changed, but I also don't, I mean, I feel like you can mm. only lead a horse to water you can't mm-hmm. make somebody physically care about you as a person, as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so that needs to come. They need to be willing to see you as a human being, to understand what you're speaking about. And as soon as mm-hmm. you cut somebody off as being purely anger or purely loud or purely disruptive and um, not taking into consideration why they're loud, why they're angry or disruptive it's like Mm -hmm. you know the the protests that we're seeing at the moment with black lives matter um only focusing on the loudest and the most angry and frustrated people is the Mm -hmm. language of the oppressor it's Mm -hmm. not taking into consideration why people are loud angry and disruptive so if you can't honor my humanity because i speak up then that is the issue in itself Yes, totally. Wow. And there's a big difference between um, being tol- tolerated or accepted. I always yeah. used to hate that when well, I'm very I hate, accepting. I hate it. Oh, I don't <laughs> like, fucking What do you mean you me? accept me? me? Like, I accept you as a home, as a um, heterosexual person. Like, that just sounds silly. Like, just, I know. you know, just 
ex- just respect. respect me. Respect, yeah. Respect me as a mm. human being. You know, we're, we're equal. Yeah. We come from a place of equality in in theory. You know, we're not equal in society, but literally we're both human beings. So mm, absolutely. I, it, it's and I think it's really interesting, like me. looking over the years that I've kind of been involved in various LGBT causes, like, <clears throat> excuse me, the the lang how the language has changed like they used to say things like tolerant and mm. accepting you know yeah and it's just and 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 I, oh, I don't know it just kind of used to bug me and once I mm. many years ago I said I don't want to be uh, you know uh, um, accepted I want to be respected and it was kind of like this for me a turning point but also it was people were pissed off at me for saying it mm. you know that that's you should well, be they glad will that be accept are you. It's like people just think that you're asking for too much when you're very much just asking yes. for the bare minimum. And exactly. I don't know, I just, it's like when you ask people to not say the N word in music and all of a sudden it, like when they're singing along to a rap song, all of a sudden it turns into the most ridiculous demand. And it's like, I'm really just asking for you to treat me with the same respect that I treat you. And if you like, it's really no skin off my nose when somebody comes to me and says, actually, can you not use that word? Because it, I, it just doesn't make me feel comfortable. Then, it, yeah. you know, if I turn around and say, well, you know, what we can't say anything anymore. It's just one word. It's one word out of many. It's defensive as well. That yeah. Response, isn't it? And it's like, you know, I love that Rihanna posted something. I don't know, six months ago and someone commented underneath saying, I really don't like this or something. Yeah, she said spirit animal, didn't she? And someone and then she was like, you know what, you're right. And she left it up because it was a great case study instead. And I think that we should leave those things up so that people can get educated. And I I post I reposted that actually and just said this is how you respond to being called out. Like what did she what did she do? She said that some some someone was her spirit animal and spirit animal is actually a term that comes from native and indigenous people and has been co-opted. Mm. Um, yes. And it's kind of regardless. It's like it's kind of like, you know, it doesn't matter what we as non-indigenous and native people feel about that word because we we're mm. not affect we don't have a connection to it. So when someone comes mm. and says, actually I've got a connection to that word and I'd rather it not be bastardized <laughs> by people that don't yes. have any connection to it, then it's on us to say, you know what, you're right, I just won't use that word. Like yeah. I just it's like someone using the F word. Um that is also used to describe cigarettes um, with gay people and like, you know, a straight person saying, actually, yeah. I'll just say whatever I want. It's it's disrespectful. Yeah. And it's just I just think it's I mean, there's been a lot of things like that recently. And, you know, we were talking in the last podcast about the whole J.K. Rowling controversy. Mm. And I just think sh- how much does it cost you just yeah. to, if someone wants to be defined in a certain way and if some, you know, especially if someone feels they were born in the wrong body. What is the cost to you to just uh, uh, to 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 yeah. label them by the label they wish to be you uh, labeled by? And I just find it's this this fury against. It's almost like you know that thing. My mother in law has said it in the past. She goes, I can't keep up. Everything keeps changing. You know the way that certain groups yeah. want to be changed. And I'm. It's just if I just think, find out what the what the people involved want to be known as, and just call them that. That's all you have to do. It's yeah. not that difficult. And of course, things do change and things are changed. Why do things change? Because they need to change and they absolutely. haven't changed in the past and we need to keep keep up. And it's just that sort of like, again, it's absolutely white privilege of like, oh, it's exhausting. I just, I'm just i just going to call them what I want to. <laughs> For sure. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a centering of this is my world and people are going to act how I want it to. And I think it's a recognition exactly. that it's not your world, it's our world, mm-hmm. it's everybody's uh-huh. world and we need to find a way to coexist. Um, because we are yeah. all different and I think that there's there's beauty in that difference but if you're just if you just want everybody to go by your rules then that's not going to work in a world where we're all different so um I no. just, it's mutual respect isn't it we can educate each other and that's really what it's about it's about being open to being educated and being open to admitting that maybe you're wrong because we are all wrong at some point, you know. All these brands spend so much money, like trying to put a smiley face in their logos. And it's like, it's trying to be humans, trying to personalize it. And it's like, 
by just being human, which involves accepting when you're wrong sometimes, mm-hmm. that makes people go, cool, no one cares if you've made a mistake. If you just go, sorry, I was wrong, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, if exactly. if anything, it's attractive. It's, yeah. you know, because, yeah. I mean, I, I've gotten so much wrong in my life, but it doesn't make me a bad person. It just means that I've grown. And I think, especially yeah. with cancel culture and call-out culture, I mean, I think it's good to call people out because sometimes you're just not going to get a response if you slip into their dms so sometimes it's good to force mm. their hand but it needs to come from a place of actually Spoken wanting progress <laughs> like it needs to come from a place of you know resolve and cancel mm. culture we when you cancel someone what does it do? it doesn't do anything they don't go and live on like a secluded island yeah. How are you, what are the tools that you use Monroe to get your messages across? I mean in this new world uh how you've always had a you've always used your platform but what are your platforms? So I mainly use um Instagram as a way of creating community to encourage people to to widen their consciousness by following people that have different experiences to them. So part of my activism isn't necessarily speaking on issues that I don't know. It's about being an ally to people that have a different experience to myself and directly sharing their experiences. I think stories are a great way to do that. Um, and not, not necessarily inserting yourself into the narrative, but you know um, allowing people to take over your platform um victoria beckham offered me up her platform the other day and we were how come she sent you flowers i saw that because we we did a little um thing together she um gave me and a drag queen called jody harsh who's one of my long-term friends um her instagram live um to speak about the origins of pride and to speak about the charity that i'm patron of which is mermaids which is a trans kids charity um so yeah she just basically um gave a lot of queer people a platform by allowing us to take over her instagram stories and i think that's really what it's about sometimes is not you know inserting yourself it's about recognizing that you have a privilege Mm. and she's got millions like tens of millions of people following her um so that's you know opening us up to a different audience um Mm. to speak about our experiences so Mm. i could do the same and i i do the same with um a separate platform that i've got called goddess platform Mm. which is um on instagram as well um and i basically let or encourage um our followers to take over the stories to speak about their experiences whether or not that's being a disabled woman or being um a a muslim woman or being um somebody that's encountered burn scars you know it's it's Mm. all about helping um progress along by offering a platform up to somebody who traditionally or historically hasn't had it. Mm. Uh, And I think that that's what's amazing about Instagram is that it creates communities where we can meet and witness the experiences of people that we ordinarily wouldn't encounter. So I think that that's such a strong tool, especially from an activist perspective. And now Mm. we can see, you know, that people that haven't necessarily class themselves as activists you know you you've got a role to play in this too um i think it's i think it's inspiring and i think that it's it's what we need it's about everybody becoming engaged and rallied and active love it there's this queer wheelchair user in new york um whose name i completely have forgotten now it begins with c but i follow him i followed him i saw him and he does a lot of activism around being queer and a wheelchair user and what that means in New York and stuff. And I was like, I was like, oh, you know, I'll follow him. But now I know so much around it's yeah. Yeah, the issues. And it's just, I think it is beautiful for that. It is. Yes. Um, there are some stats around this because I think when it comes to being, getting like, you know, we're a podcast, we involve brands all the time. You know, Alan, you've done loads of stuff with brands. Monroe, you do loads of stuff with brands. Like sometimes you do feel like Burns. the conversation what brands brands oh sorry i thought you said burns i thought i said robert burns or like burns on your skin i'm so sorry Chris. that's right um, it's no brands. it's no your accent it's my ear sorry sorry brands yes yes um, Grandad, granddad's with you 
the uh, the conversation can have a skew of like they're doing you a favor and actually we're not doing anyone a favor by mm. progressive inclusivity and diversity because for example uh McKinsey research shows a 21% lift in profitability and a 33% lift in performance for the top quartile of diversity and mm. leadership. Quartile, I've not said that before. Uh, and you're reading that, aren't you? You're reading these. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I'm reading. I'm reading. Um, <laughs> closing, the, closing the gender gap would add $28 trillion to the global economy by 2025. And companies with more diverse management teams have 19% higher revenue due to innovation. Mm. Uh, but that is no, a good it, way to frame it, you know? It's not brain, brain surgery to think that by doing the right thing, you're going to help everybody and people are, and you're going to be more successful. I mean, well, you, would like, think, on, you would people. think, but like we saw what happened with Victoria's Secret last year um, and they refused to have more diversity on the um, catwalk. They refused to involve trans models. Mm. And now, you know, they've gone into, um, I think it's liquidation or, um, you know, they, oh. they've shut yeah, down they their stores their in the UK. Yeah. So, really. I think that, you know, diversity isn't a conversation of, it isn't an option anymore. It's mm. if you're not diverse in the future, you know, we're not going to stay segregated. People are mixing. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. People are becoming, you know, the, the rate of young heterosexual people is the lowest that it's ever been. Like, mm. I think it's 56% or some, something around there. Wow. Um, so, you know, the minorities really? aren't, aren't going to be the minorities for very much longer. Yeah. So unless yeah. you kind of get with the times, you're going to get left in the dust. Right. Yeah. Totally. Guy, I love that. Drop the mic, Monroe. Drop the mic. That's Period. a brilliant, brilliant <laughs> don't, moment. No, don't drop it. Don't drop it. <laughs> They'll invoice us. It's expensive. Don't do, don't do that. It's like whenever we sing a song, we're, we're always like, oh God. Um, How much does that cost? Thank you, Monroe. It's been thank such you. an absolute joyous pleasure as it always is to talk lovely to you. and an inspiration anything for you too i feel soothed i feel i feel taught i feel uh inspired you me too i don't feel taught or oh, taught that way i thought you meant taught as in tight i feel, I feel kind of really loose you're like oh, just, why don't you stretch Chris? <laughs> <laughs> uh that that was great i mean i just think it's so interesting how you're Monroe is almost like a symbol of what what is happening in our world right now, what we need to do and what can happen in terms of how we address the issues that are facing us in such a huge way. And I think it's so great to see she's a leader and she's got so much to tell. And I love as well that she doesn't shy away from saying she's made mistakes and she's wanted to yeah. do things that wouldn't have been productive and she's turned them all around. And I just think it's, it's I mean, the... The thing that I'm finding more and more about the, you know, the, since George Floyd murder and all these other murders here, and, and as well as the issues that we face as uh, members of the LGBTQ community, is that it, by just cutting people off and just by just denying things, we are contributing to the problem. And yeah. just this way, she's so inspiring by the way she is engaging. And I think that thing that she said about you know, not just engaging with other people, but allowing other people to engage with you. It's, yeah. it's really, it's the way ahead. And it's, I think it's, I think she's great. Yeah. And thanks very much to her for giving us her time. And, and thanks Facebook for paying for it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye now. See you next time. For more information on how to drive business equality for the LGBTQ plus community beyond Pride Month, visit facebook.com forward slash homo sapiens podcast powered by spirit studios